today I'm going to talk about 2017. You've got on the screen there, you'll see all the different words that we have. These are things that God's spoken to me over the last few weeks and months. Some of these you're going to see in our core values, our core strength series. Some of these we're going to talk about today. I'm excited about 2017, and I, I realize that can be a cliche. I realize that could be something you say every year. Yeah, rah, 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 it's a new year. I, I get that. I get it. I totally get it. So for the cynics that say whatever, it's going to be worse than last year, I want to encourage you that I believe this year is going to be better than last year because I believe that God's going to speak to you in a way that you're going to choose to agree with what he has for your life. And anytime we choose to agree with what God has for our life, we're going to be better. As we were worshiping, I felt like God spoke to me, and, and I didn't want to say it before then. I think I'm supposed to save it for now. I think there was people here that God's just asking you, when are you going to give up and let him run the show? He's just asking, when? Why do you keep resisting me? Everything I have for you is good. That's what I hear him say. Everything I have for you is good, but you keep fighting me because you think you know better. That's what he's saying. I'm not saying that. He's saying that. But this is the same thing he says to me and to any of us, that we can't resist the one who knows the end from the beginning. He knows it all. And so I just encourage you, this can either be a, a time where you say, yeah, whatever, it's just another day, or you can say, hey, this is a marker in my life where this year is going to be different. I'm going to agree with God's feelings for me, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to see it come to pass. If you've got your Bibles, let's open them up to Matthew chapter 9. Yeah! Great to have you overflow room. You guys make yourself, let's give a shout out. Come on, let me hear your overflow room. See, they're screaming loud. You hear them? You hear them? <laughs> Love it. Good job, guys. Hey, I want to give you a couple things, maybe a state of the union in a quick, just a couple minutes of some things that were accomplished by you, by God through you. Maybe a better way to say it. We know our source. We know who's done these things. But just in 2016, some significant things. Again, we're talking about building. Here's some things that happened this year just for us. And these, again, I'm going to leave out tons and tons of stuff, just some highlights. We finished the Eden Harvest building, and we also built a second greenhouse. So that is up and ready to go. So 2017 is going to be a big year for Eden's Harvest, so stay tuned for that. We're going to launch that ministry in full swing and get teams together, people serving, because God has given us a mandate to feed the region. That's what we're going to do. We're going to feed the region out of Eden's Harvest. I don't know specifics how it's going to work yet, but I know that's what he said, and so we're leaning into it. So you get to be a part of a massive feeding program. Praise the Lord. The next thing that we did, we, we, maybe you saw them, we purchased new signs out here. They look, look better. We're excited about that. And uh, you say, well, where, what about the one up here on the corner is where we're going to put the digital sign. As soon as we get provision for that, we're believing God for the extra money. That sign's going to be somewhere between thirty dollars to $40,000 to put the digital sign up. But see, the same God who provided for these signs can provide for that sign. Because we had an individual who said, you know what? We need two new signs, and I'm going to take care of it. And we have two new signs because an individual did. So I, I believe God's able to do anything. We just got to trust God. I don't know what your need is this year, but don't limit God. 
Just trust God. Just say, God, I believe you are the one. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So I think we've got to stretch our faith and release that. We're going to talk about a little bit during our core values on that also. Our connect groups. Our connect groups went to a whole other level this year. 42 leading groups, 42 leaders, 242 people were involved in attending a connect group. That's more than any semester we've had, and we're believing it's going to be more coming up in this, this uh, winter semester. Salvation opportunities. 286 people responded to an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their life. 286 people. 57 people were water baptized this year. 57. Come on, let's give God a hand for that. Water baptism. Love it. Our food pantry ministry. We opened up on Fridays this year in addition to Sundays. Dave and Deanie Scroggins are champions for the kingdom along along with their team and everybody that helps. But we served 3,919 families this year, 10,579 people through our food pantry. Thank you, Jesus. That's an average of 327 families and 882 people every month that we're feeding and clothing out of our food pantry. pantry. That's 1,000 more families and 2,000 more people than just three years ago. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to up that. We're going to up it, up it, up it. Why? Because we believe in providing for the poor. This is the pure religion in Jesus' eye that you take care of the widow and you take care of those in need. And we're going to continue to do that because of our generosity, we're able to do that. So praise the Lord for that. Thank you for your part to play in that. Also, one of the, one of the big things for us as a church, and maybe you've not been here very long, it may not be big for you, but for some of you have been here, we've got some people that have been here since the beginning of the church, 30 30. Uh, let's see, this, this uh, fall was 32 years. But this year, we were able to purchase the property on this side of us and all the property on this side of us. We finally got it all. Praise the Lord. Come on, that's a big shout. Hallelujah. Yeah. Some of you just came in and you're like, well, that's whatever. But some that's been here for 25, 30 years know that ground has been prayed over, walked over. I don't know what else over, but <laughs> and I just want to thank the Phillips family. Got to talk to Winnie the other day when we closed the final papers and signed and just blessed her and thanked her so much for what she did. And I told her, I said, Winnie, every soul that's touched for the kingdom is going to go towards your account. I believe that every soul that's touched by this church, God will honor her for what she's doing. So I want to honor her and how she's let the church uh, purchase that. So I just thank so much for the people being a part of that. So those are just a few things. Again, so much more we could talk about, but I want to jump right into this Matthew chapter 9. We've got a little bit of extra time today. I told him, hey, we got one service, so it's hard telling how long I'm going to preach today. You know, we didn't have Christmas service. Hope you enjoyed that. That may be the last time we ever cancel on Christmas. I'm just kidding. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Here's what it says. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, the Pharisees, fast often? We fast all the time. Scholars would say they fasted twice a week. But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. 
No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved." Both are preserved. We're getting ready to start, again, our, our uh, 21 days of prayer fasting. And you may be saying, well, why do we do it at the beginning of the year? What's the timing? The timing for me is I believe the Bible talks about first means dedication. We did a whole series called First Things First. And I believe when you honor God first, then that puts him in a position to bless the rest. I believe when you, whether it's you're talking about the tithe, you honor God, you give God first, and then God's going to take care of the rest. When you put your day, you honor God first in your day, you're putting yourself in a position to be blessed the rest of the day. Whatever you do, you put God first. So we're starting out the year saying, God, 2017, we're dedicating it to you. I believe when you honor God, it makes a difference. I'll give you just a little example. The other day, we were in Evansville. And we were uh, coming home, and we thought we'd stop and get something to eat. So we stopped by Chick-fil-A. We thought we were just going to drive through. And it was about 1 o'clock, so I thought, you know, we missed the big lunch. Well, I get there. Yeah, some of you are already laughing. And, and maybe I'll draw down my shirt like I used to draw routes for receivers. So here, so if this is, if this is Chick-fil-A building, you had to, the drive throughs here, they had a line going around the parking lot. You go around here, and then you come around the building again just to get in the drive through lane to go around and pick up your food. Do you see that? So you pull in. They're lined up on the road down here. Then you go around the building to get into the drive through line to go around the building to pick up your food. And I said to the girls, I said, there's a company that honored God. And they can make more money on six days of the week than most people can on seven. <laughs> Tell me God doesn't honor. Lined up around that place for a chicken sandwich. I'm like, good grief, what's going on? Like how long we got away? But I'm telling you, that's the principle. You honor God in your life, his blessings will just flow. They flow. People flock into Chick-fil-A. People mad on Sundays because they can't get a sandwich. But God says that you honor me, my blessing is going to be on your life. So that's why we give the first of the year. Why do we do it together? We, we, do, we do it corporately because we like to support one another. I'm not just fasting for me. I'm fasting for you. I'm fasting for what God's going to do in your life. And so we do it together because the Bible says where two agree is touching any one thing, it shall be done. I believe in corporate agreement over certain things. And sometimes it's just good to have support when you're fasting. I did a fast uh, just a few months ago with a couple friends of mine. And it was great to have that support on those days when you're about to chew your arm off. That you can call them up and say, I'm about to cave. I'm about to cave. And they're like, hang in there, brother. Come on, you can do it. So it's about support. Again, it's about agreement because we're not just going somewhere individually. We're going somewhere together. We're going somewhere together. God's going to do some awesome things in this region in 2017, and we're going there together. It's not about my dream or your dream. It's about God's dream, and our dreams are going to be fulfilled when we fulfill God's dream. So we like to do it together. Then the, then the purpose of the fast. Remember, a purpose of the fast is not external. 
You're not trying to manipulate God. You're not trying to convince God to do something. We're not fasting so that we can impress God. Fasting is internal change. I'm trying to change me. I'm trying to focus on me. I'm aligning my desires with God's desires for my life. And there's nothing that does that quicker than fasting. I'm convinced when you say no to your flesh and yes to God's desires, that's the, the easiest way to do that is to say, okay, this is something important to me, but I'm going to say no to it because I'm going to put God first. That's the purpose in fasting. We're, we're lining our hearts with him. It's we're saying, God, we love you more than I love this precious thing. The Bible in Job says this, that we, we, we Lord, I need you and I long for you, the words of your mouth, more than my necessary food. So we're saying, God, I love you. I love you so much that this thing that is very important to me, I'm going to say no to it to say yes to you. That's, it's an internal thing. We're not manipulating God. We're changing us. So I encourage you, write this down whenever you're uh, going into the prayer and fasting time. You need to have a clear target, a prayer target. What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God for for 2017? Have a prayer target. Have something you're shooting for. Have a goal. Everybody who doesn't have a goal is guaranteed not to get it. We've got to have something we're shooting for. So have a clear target, a prayer strategy. So maybe the question is this. Well, is fasting required? Do I have to? <laughs> Look what he says in verse 15. He says, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. It is voluntary. You know, we don't, we don't require it. It's like if you're going to be a member of Crossroads, you better fast or we're going to be watching you. It's not like that. Like, did you eat that? You know, we're not doing that. It's voluntary. It's totally voluntary. But it is a part of a normal Christian behavior. This is important for you to understand because some people coming into this culture have never fasted. They've never heard of it before. And they've been in church their whole life. I'm telling you, it's a normal part of Christian behavior. It's not for weirdos or radicals. Jesus said, they will fast when I'm gone. And why are we doing it? It's not just the depravity, being away from food, but it's because we're setting our hearts on Jesus. So do I have to? Do you have to? Well, here's what some people said. Well, I'm not doing it just because you said so. The Lord isn't leading me to do it. I, that's totally fine. My question would be, does he ever lead you to? You say, I'm not doing it just because you're making the whole church do it. Okay, that's fine. That's totally cool. But if you never do it, then that tells me it could be a heart issue. Because he says they will fast. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Hey, expect some opposition when you fast. I'm just trying to give you a little encouragement from somebody who's been through this a few times. Prepare for opposition. You know Satan tempted Jesus? When did he tempt him? While he was doing what? While he was fasting. What happens? When you fast, you get a little weaker. And so you got to be prepared for opposition. Be prepared for resistance. Because it's crucifying the flesh. It's crucifying, it's, it's trying to dethrone King's stomach. You don't rule me, Jesus rules me. And that takes some crucifying of that flesh. So prepare for that opposition. Do you know the flesh can sound a lot like Jesus? About, about day two, you can have this overwhelming sense that the Lord is speaking to you and releasing you from the fast. I just feel like the Lord's released me from that, Chad. <laughs> yes, I believe he has. See, our, our flesh can sound very convincing. 
So just be careful. It's opposition. Again, what you do and how you do it is totally up to you, but I just want you to make sure you understand you're listening to the Lord and getting his leading on because your body is detoxing. Some of you, if you're getting off of sugar or caffeine or, or, or sweets or something like that, you may experience headaches, you may experience some nausea, you may experience some, some sluggishness. If you're coming off, if caffeine is what you use to get you going and you start fasting caffeine, it's going to feel like you're dragging a train to work. But you need to press through because your body will overcome that hump and you will feel free on the other side of it. So again, just, just giving you some natural fasting tips, some physical tips. You're going to see some resistance. I've had people say, man, I didn't realize I was going to feel this bad. I was like, it's just hanging there. It's just for a moment. A moment could be a day or two, but you'll get through it. You'll get through it. There's some natural physical things. Hey, if you fail, can I encourage you with this? If, and I say fail as in you cave and you do something that you were fasting. You ate something or you did something, whatever. You're fasting, you're uh, social media, some people fast that, whatever you're, you're fasting something and you cave in, don't give up and give in to condemnation. Get back on your horse and you just keep going. Re-up and say, okay, you know what, I got, I got bit by that, uh, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think of a random food item, just chocolate. chocolate. I had to have that, that <laughs> chocolate. Lord, give her strength right now. Just extend your hand. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. It was sitting there. It was calling my name, you know. So whatever it is, I just encourage you, after you eat it, just say, okay, Lord, I'm back on track. Don't, don't feel like you've got to quit just because you gave in. But I want you to see something in verse 15. I, I saw this differently, and this scripture spoke to me in a different way for this year for our fasting time. I want you to see a paradigm shift in fasting. Look what it says in 15. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. I'm like, what does that have to do with fasting? Well, the fasting interpretation under the old covenant was sorrow, misery, and grief. Under the old covenant, this wasn't God's intentions, but this is how people interpreted it, that when you fasted, you put sackcloth on your head and you wore a long face and you went around looking like this. And when people say, hey, what's going on? I'm fasting. This was their, their interpretation that it should be sad, sorrowful, and gloomy. Everything's heavy weighty and negative. He addressed it in Isaiah chapter uh, 58. He says, is such a fast as yours what I have chosen? A day for a man to humble himself with sorrow in his soul? Is true fasting merely mechanical? Man, hear this. Is it only to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him to indicate a condition of heart that he does not have? Oh, did you hear that? This is outward sign of something that's not happening on the inside. It's not so we can appear to men that we're doing it. He said, will you call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? Fasting is not about what we're abstaining from. But God says in the new covenant, 
In the new covenant, there's something different that happened here in 15, why he talked about the bridegroom. Because a celebration is what's happening in a wedding. It's a bridegroom, they're friends, it's a celebration, it's a party, it's feasting. And he says, this is the attitude I want you to take into fasting. I want you to take the attitude into fasting, not about what you're losing, but about what you're gaining. I want you to think of it as the bridegroom. I want you to think of a celebration that I'm married to Jesus and it's a party when I'm fasting because I'm setting my heart unto him. Now, is the flesh going to want to join your party? No. The flesh doesn't want to come to that kind of party. But your spirit man, who you are, is going to want to celebrate what God is doing in your life because it's not about what I'm losing on a fast. It's about what I'm gaining. See, too many times people walk around, they get discouraged because they walk around and say, well, I wish I could, but I'm fasting. I'd love to have that, but I can't. See, you got to stop saying I can't when you're fasting and say I choose not to. Because you can do whatever you want. You don't have to join in this fasting time at all. You don't have to be a part of it at all. And you never have to fast if you ever want to. You don't ever have to do that. But God says, if you will choose me, The power of joy is in your choice, not in what you can or can't do. It's in the choice of what we choose to do. So this is a new covenant concept. It's not about what we lose. It's not about sadness. Let me read to you Matthew 6. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 6. Moreover, when you fast, this is Jesus talking, so when you do it, do not be like the hypocrites. Here's how hypocrites fast. With a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, I hope everybody appreciates the fact that you're fasting and everybody's impressed with your spirituality. That's the only reward you get. That everybody says, wow, man, you are spiritual. You're fasting. That's awesome. God says, I hope you enjoyed that compliment because you're not getting any from me. Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks right here at the ticker. He looks what's going on inside. He looks at the heart. He's like, what do you mean by this? Okay, I'm going through the motions but I don't want to do it in my heart. God says, your heart is all that counts to me. We can do the right things on the outside and not have the right motive and not get credit for it. I want to get credit for what I'm doing. If I'm going to go through it and I'm going to do without food, I want to make sure I'm getting credit so I want to have a pure heart and a pure motive about it. Amen? All right, so look at the next part. He says, when you fast, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Here's something I encourage you. We talk about this, uh, people that, men, again, support groups when I'm fasting. And you get into a longer term of fasting. And sometimes you get to call a friend. You say, hey, wash your face. Wash your face. In other words... Hey, stop showing on the outside. Be encouraged. God's doing something. It's not about what you're being deprived of. Just wash your face and go on. Be happy about it. Sometimes you got to tell yourself, hey, listen, soul, flesh, I'm washing my spiritual face and I'm enjoying what God's doing in my life. You got to do it. This is how you enter in. I'm just giving you some tips on how you engage in this fast because it's going to be mental warfare. The enemy is going to try and take you out about day two. Getting into day three, he's, he's going to start screaming in your ear, you can't do it. You can't do it. You just might as well get it. You, can't, you aren't strong enough. You can't let, let that enemy voice go silent and just trust God for what he wants to do. 
Let me give you God's purpose of the fast. I'm going to give you Isaiah 58. You got it in your notes there. Isaiah 58, 6. Here's God's idea of fasting. Here's what I'm believing for for you. Here's what we're believing for is going to happen in this region. Here's what God's going to do in this year. He says he's going to, one, loose the bonds of wickedness. Undo the band of the yoke. Let the oppressed go free. Break every enslaving yoke. Does it sound like fasting is bondage? Every word in there is about loosing, undoing, free, and breaking yoke. All of that speaks to me is that God's wanting to give people freedom in 2017. He's wanting to give us freedom from wickedness, freedom from yokes of oppression and enslaving yokes. God's wanting to break sin off of people's lives. People are, are yoked under by the bondage of sin, and God said, I'm going to break that off your life. You want a good way to break that off your life? Just walk in prayer and fasting for a season and watch how God's going to empower your spirit above your flesh. Here's what it's about. Here's what, here's what fasting is to me. Fasting, if I get a picture of it, is when my spirit is working out every day. Heavy bench, heavy squat, curls, And my flesh is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. But what happens when I'm fasting is all of a sudden my ear starts tuning into the voice of the Holy Spirit better than it has before. It's nothing about moving God. It's everything about moving me. I start moving towards God. Well, you should do that all the time. Yes. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Bless your heart. I should do it all the time. But I'm saying fasting just moves me into a place where I really sink in, and now I want to try and maintain that as I even go back to, to eating as he instructs me. So now look at, look at what we're doing in verse 10. We're still in Isaiah 58. If we'll do this, if you pour out that which you sustain your own life for the hungry and satisfy the need of the afflicted, if you will give out of what you have to help others in need, then shall your light rise in darkness and your obscurity and gloom become like the noonday. Here's what's going to happen. As we begin to give and help, this year as we give and help other people, support other people, not just talking about financially, but with your time. I'm not talking about just in church, but wherever the Lord puts on your heart to help someone, he says, as you will do that to satisfy someone else out of what sustains your own life. In other words, give out of what you have. It's not about the amount. It's not about comparing one person's gift versus the other person's gift. But out of what sustains your life, I want you to give that. Well, I don't have enough to give. you got enough to give. you got to give out of what God's blessed you with, and then God will honor that gift. And this is what he's telling us to do, to live this way. So into this life, verse 11 says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy you in drought and in dry places and make strong your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Look at that in verse 11. He will guide you continually. Anybody need guidance in 2017? If we need guidance and decisions that we're going to need to be making, guess what we need to do? We need to pray into God. Because Isaiah 58 is all about fasting. It's all about setting our hearts uh, aside to God. And look what's going to happen. He's going to guide us continually and satisfy you in drought and in dry places. You see what God says there? He does not say that I will never have any droughts and I'll never have any dry places. He just says, when they come, I will satisfy you in them. Anybody experiencing any drought or dry places in their life? Well, God wants to satisfy you in that season. 
He's not promising in 2017 that we're not going to have any problems. Hey, nothing but rose petals. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some losses. We're going to have some tough things we have to navigate through. But in droughts and dry seasons, I have this promise that he will satisfy me. He says, I'll be like a watered garden. I'm going to have plenty. I'm going to have enough water to get through that. A spring of water whose waters fail not. He's going to give me enough to make it through. And look at verse 12. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of buildings that have laid waste for many generations. When I read this, here's what God spoke to me. He said, there's people that right now listening to my voice, that your past up to this point looks like ruins. But God says, I desire to rebuild it. I'm going to rebuild not just your past, but the past of generations before you that have failed. And here's how he said, he goes on the next part. And you shall be called the repair of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, prophetically, that's talking about the Messiah and talking about Jesus. And absolutely, that's true. And I think, but through you, Jesus is also speaking that some of you are going to change the direction of your entire family. That generations before you, that have not served God, that have not uh, had great relationships, marriages were bad, or relationships were bad, finances were bad. I don't know what it was in your heritage, ruins in your past. He says, I'm going to rebuild, and I'm going to use you to be a restorer of the righteous life for your entire family. I believe that. I believe that generations after you are going to be changed because what you decide in 2017. Because you say, from this point forward, it stops with me. I don't know what mom did or dad did or grandma or grandpa did or great-grandma or great-grandma. I don't know what all they did. I can't control that. But I can. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I believe there's a repairer and a a restorer that God's wanting to do in your life in 2017. He's wanting to rebuild some of the old waste places, all these ancient ruins, these places that have laid waste for generations. I believe Jesus is a builder of new and a restorer, and that's what he's going to do through you in this year. I don't know what, in what ways you need rebuilt. Some of you need rebuilt because up to this point, and I'm just trying to listen as, as we was in worship, I felt like God was just calling out several things. So I'm just going to try and lean into that. What I got, what I've got. Some of you have been a, been a wreck relationally up to this point. And God says, I'm wanting to change that in your life. That you're going to be strong relational. Where you've been uh, flaky relationally, I felt like he's going to make you stable. You've got to choose his path. Though some of you financially have been just a wreck. Never been able to break through. Never been able to get ahead. And I, again, all this is going to sound like pie in the sky and the cynic is going to say, yeah, whatever. But I'm just got to say what I feel like God is saying. Some of you up to this point have been a financial wreck. You've had a history of financial wreck. Your family's had a history of financial wreck. But God says, I want to use you to re- repair the breach. Now, what it's going to involve in any of these areas is you've got to make Jesus the Lord of that area. If I need help relationally, then I've got to put Jesus in first place relationally in my life. If I need help financially, then I need to put Jesus first place financially. If I need help in whatever area it may be. Some of you, uh, there's a specific as far as jobs, have not been able to hold down a job longer than six months. And God's saying, I'm going to restore and repair that in your life. I'm going to bring stability in that area of your life. Thank you, Jesus. 
I believe some that have felt condemned spiritually and have not been able to come into what I will call sonship or daughtership. What I mean by that is you've tried to be a good Christian for year after year after year after year, and this is your Christianity. Wee! Wee! Up and down, up and down. And Jesus said, if you will trust me, I will put your life in a stable, gradual growth process. I'm going to put you in a place where you will be stable in your faith with me, and I will cause you to realize your identity as a son of God, not just a Christian who goes to church. I don't want you to understand that. I want you to understand what it means to be a son. I want you to understand what it means to be a daughter, that I am loved by him. That's who I am. That's who I am. He's wanting to pour that into your life. He's wanting to take some from churchianity into real life Christianity. Some of you is going to transform you out of being a church attender to be a lover of Jesus. (laughs) He's wanting to expand your heart that going to church is going to be a byproduct of your love for him instead of going to church so that you can try and keep loving him. I believe he's pouring relationship into your heart, and some of it's going to come when you realize in your heart what he thinks about you 24-7. Some of you have never got it through your head what God really thinks about you because you're convinced that you're not good enough. Jesus died for you. That's enough. Some don't realize how valuable they are, and I'm, I'm off a little bit. If you're trying to follow me in sermon notes, this isn't in there. But some of you, I felt like, have not understood the price that's been paid for your life. I struggled with this, thinking that I was important enough. And then I began to realize the price that was paid for me. If God was willing to pay the price of his only son for me, then that tells me I was pretty important. I was pretty valuable for Jesus to leave heaven and to, ha- to hang on a cross for this little boy, then that tells me I must have been pretty important to God. I don't think I'm that important, but evidently the King of kings and Lord of lords said, he's worth it, I'll go pay the price for him. So stop saying you're not worth it and begin to receive that God says you're worth it. I'm telling you, this is going to bring victory into your life. Some of you have been feeling so oppressed that you just can't get out. And the method you're trying to use to get out of it is you just try to be better. I'm just trying to be a better person. I'm just trying to do better, Chad. I'm just trying to do better. I get it. I get it. But I'm telling you, it's a roller coaster. I'm trying to be better, but I can't be better. At some point, we got to put our faith in him, put our trust in him, and believe what he says about us, and commit to say no to the sin and the flesh, and say yes to the unction of the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants to do in your life, and I pray that you'll continue to move towards that. He wants to build something new in 2017. Let me go into the verse 16 and 17, because I want you to see what's happening through this fasting process. He says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. This is about building something new in your life. For the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. I'm not what you would call a seamstress. I can sew on a button. I can. But there's a lot of things I can't do. So some of you seamstress people or seamsters or whatever you call that. I'm just saying male or female that can both sew. I'm trying to be gender neutral. If you've got a hole in a garment, 
What it's talking about is you've got an old garment and you put a new patch on there, the unshrunk cloth, and, and you put that over that hole. When you begin to wear that and wash that, then that patch will begin to shrink. And what was one little hole right here, this patch will pull away from the other. And now you're going to have, it's going to begin to make a tear or a rip the size of the patch. And this is what he's talking about here. Whenever, whenever we're fasting and going into this new year, I want you to realize that God's wanting to do some new things. And you can't attach new things to old things. There needs to be a clean break in some of you from way you have thought and way you've looked at things, and you need to make an entire new perspective on what God wants to do. Because if you try and attach this little bit of new to the rest of your old, here's what I hear God saying. Some of you are trying to patch an old garment, and I want you to put on an entirely new garment. He wants to clothe you with a robe of righteousness. Some of you are trying to patch up your old garment and make yourself acceptable to God. I've tried to do it so many times. Put little patches on. He says, you can't patch an old garment, Ted. You've got to put on an entire new one. So some of you got to believe that you can start new in 2017. Put on a new garment. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on that robe of righteousness that he's talking about. And look what happens in verse 17. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins. Or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Here's the picture. They used to carry wine. They, did, they didn't have uh, yetis. So they carried, carried wine in animal skins. And they'd take these animal skins and, and they would... Uh, form them into like a bottle type shape and so that they could hold liquid inside of there. And whenever you would pour new wine into these new wineskins, the new wineskins were very flexible. And as the wine would ferment, then this wineskin would expand and make room for it. But if you, once that wineskin got a little old and dried out a little bit, it lost its elasticity. And now when you put something in there, it didn't expand anymore. So if you put new wine that needs to ferment, needs to expand, needs to stretch it, that old wineskin says, I don't stretch anymore. This is as far as I go. And because that's as far as it go, it couldn't handle something new that God wanted to do. And here's something I want you to grasp out of this. Old and new wineskin is not talking about age. Some people hear this and they begin to think, well, I'm the old wineskin. No, you're not. There can be... 17-year-olds that have old wineskins. There can be 90-year-olds that have new wineskins. It's an ideology. It's a thinking. It's a willingness. Because I want to be a wineskin that when God wants to do something new in me, it's going to cause me to stretch a little bit. And this is what I believe God's speaking to you, Crossroads, in 2017. It's time to stretch. It's time to stretch. God's going to build He's going to pour new wine into your life, something you've never seen before, something you've never experienced before, something that's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge your viewpoint. It's going to challenge your thinking. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's in your decision on where to go to school. I don't know what he's going to do, but he wants to pour some new wine in there. And we have to have flexible wineskins so that as that begins to ferment and grow on the inside of us, I want to expand with it because look what happens. If I don't expand with it, then it will burst and it says the wine 
is ruined and wasted. I don't want anybody to see what God wants to do in your life wasted. God's wanting to pour into your life, and I don't want that wine wasted. I don't want you to go another year. As I was looking back on it, I'm like, in March, it will be 11 years since Dawn and I became pastor. 11 years. I'm like, wow. I was just a baby. And I told the Lord, I said, God, I don't want another year go by that any wine is wasted in my life. Because as I began to look back, I, saw, I, I felt like there's some places where I wasted some wine. So I'm not saying to you that only certain people will be successful. I'm, I'm analyzing my life and I'm saying, God, I've wasted some wine. You poured some things into me that I maybe wanted to, I, you wanted me to stretch into and maybe, maybe I wasn't ready or maybe I wasn't flexible enough. Maybe, maybe I did. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to overanalyze, but I'm just saying, God, from this point forward, I don't want any wine wasted. And what I mean by wine, I'm talking about what God is speaking into your life, the new thing God wants to do, what he wants to stretch you into, what he wants to cause you to believe for. So can we stretch? Can we expand for him? Can we believe that God wants to use you to touch friends, neighbors, and coworkers for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can you believe with me and stretch with me that there are thousands of people in these surrounding counties that do not know Jesus, and they're looking for someone who will give them something real? I'm not talking about churchianity. I'm talking about Christianity. I'm talking about a love. I'm talking about showing them their identity in Christ. So can we? We'll go to the scripture. I'm going to ask you this question. It's going to be the first of many times I ask this question probably. It's in Matthew 16, verse 17. I'm sorry, 18 and 19. It says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavens, in the heavenlies. I believe God wants to build through you. And I'm just asking you this question, do you want to build with him? Do you want to build in your life with him? Do you want to build people around you? God has a desire. He says in the Bible that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know that person that you know that thinks that, no, that God could never save them? He loves them. You know the one that you don't like at all, and you hope they never come to your church? You know that person that you come to church with now, and you're glad they're in a different service? I'm just going to be real. Folks, it's time for us to be open to what God wants to build. And we set aside our issues. And we say, Jesus, you came for the least. You came for the sick. You came for the hurting. You came for those that are perverted. You came for those that are mean and ugly and deceptive and abusive. You came for all those. You came for the rich and famous. And you came for the poor and needy. So what kind of kingdom are we going to build? It's not going to be up to me. It's only it's going to be up to all of us. 
Do you want to build with him? Do you want to build with him in your life? God's asked me to build the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's our goal, to partner together to build the church. Who's the church? You, you watching online, you, overflow room. Everywhere you go, you are the church. And God's wanting to use you to do it. He's wanting to pour new wine in this year. Who's going to stretch for it? We're going to build. Praise the Lord, we're getting ready to build a parking lot as soon as weather permits. I'm believing for God to provide us a new sanctuary so that we can keep growing. I'm still believing for multiple locations because it's what God spoke to me. I want to keep building the kingdom. I never want to be satisfied. Why? Because there's souls to be saved. There's souls that need to be saved. There's people lost. And I don't want to sit in my home satisfied, resting on my laurels while I'm going to heaven and watch needy, hurting people die and go to hell every single day. I can't say, well, Lord, you know what? We're doing pretty good for a town our size. Man. 5,000 people just in White County that don't attend church at all. 5,000. 20,000 in Saline County. 20,000 people that are unchurched. We could go another 4,000 4, in Gallatin County. We go more than that in Hamilton County. We could keep going, going, going. We've talked about over 100,000 people, 300,000 people in 20 counties that are unchurched going into Indiana, going into Kentucky. So my question to you is not about what is the church going to accomplish, what are you going to accomplish for Jesus? We're going to accomplish it together. So I want you to just bow your heads with me if you would. I believe in you. I believe in what God wants to do through you. This is not a self-help, a self-support system. It's not about self-looking good, self-feeling good. Has nothing to do with that. It's about realizing who we are in Jesus. Realizing who he has created us to be and realizing what he wants to build in your life. You are God's building. You are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3 says, you're his workmanship. And he's asking you, when are you going to allow me to build your life? You've been living in this shack that you've put together. Why don't you let me build you a life? And he said the same thing to me, so don't feel discouraged. I try and build my own thing at times, and God says, listen, I, I want to build something much better than that. So do you have vision for your year? As we go into this fast, I want to do it intentionally. I want to do it with a purpose. I want to come into agreement with you that this is the season that things change. We've seen incredible things happen at the, at the end of our fasting time. It was just a little over a year ago at the end of our fasting period that we got a phone call and said our neighbors wanted to sell their property. 
at the end of our fasting time. Four years ago, at the end of our fasting time, got a phone call for someone that's ready to sell 65 acres across the road. That's just a snippet comparison to all the individual things that God has done for people's lives. Breakthroughs for relationships, breakthroughs for marriages, breakthroughs for jobs, breakthroughs with children, unsaved loved ones. Will you commit, not to me or to the church, but will you commit to God this year to build a new you? Say, so, well, I, I've already I've been saved a long time. You still need new wine. You still need new wine. Don't let your wine skin dry up. Don't let it become inflexible and, and stagnant. Ask the Lord for new wine. Ask him to pour something new into your heart right now. Ask him to do a new work in your life. Say, God, I'm not satisfied. I'm not going to allow complacency to get into my life where I just go on being a Christian day after day. I want to experience the power of God. I want new wine, Lord. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I want to live for you fervently. And give you all of my heart. I don't want to patch up an old garment, Lord. I want to dress like you would have me to dress. I'm believing God's speaking to hearts all over. Listening online, here in the sanctuary, in the overflow room. That this is your year. That you step into new wine. Yes, it could be a cliche for every year. It's up to you. The choice is yours. I've made a decision that I'm going to improve myself this year. I'm going to be better this year than I was last year. And I'm putting effort and stride, specific things into that to make it happen. I'm not just assuming it'll happen because God wants it to happen. I'm intentionally doing things differently so that it will happen as God leads me. And I encourage you to do the same. But the first and most important part is you're praying and asking the Lord to show you. You're committing, getting ready, gearing up for this fast. Say, God, what do you want me to do? All kinds of things to do. No food. Certain foods. Electronics, you know, TV, social media. What? It's between you and the Lord what you do. Make it something special. Make it something that it's a big yes to God and a big no to something else.